0: Hmm.
1: Welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kuchiecki Studios for another episode of The Right Hosh, episode 12. We've got our starting 11, and now we have enough to have one substitute on the roster. Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson, Rob Jordan here with you. And if you're noticing this show is a week late, that is intentional. Uh, We normally do this every two weeks, uh, but because of the schedule itself, because of the Champions League uh, in which one of our teams was still in it, and the flurry of Premier League matches Coming down to uh, to affect the standings over the last couple of weeks, we decided, all right, we'll have a lot more information if we just wait a week to do our next episode. So that's where we are, three weeks in between. And boy, in those three weeks, a lot has happened, and mostly for for Alex, because as I alluded to on the Sunday shake yesterday, it was crowned Premier League champions, Manchester City. And... It was just—it was a moment that Alex had been anticipating for weeks leading up to this show, as as the, uh, the the citizens crept up on the Gunners more and more, and finally the tables have turned, and it is
0: official—we know who's
1: going to be finishing top of the table.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess she just kind of had a a little bit of an inkling as the season drew near uh, to its end, but. Um, also really exciting during the week, as you, as you mentioned, Champions League City getting over the hump, uh, you know, one, one draw to Real Madrid, uh, at the Bernabeu, Bernabeu, however you pronounce it, pronunciations are, are fluid in, in this sport. Um, but they, they took commanding for nothing victory over Real Madrid at the empty had, uh, as they say, it wasn't so empty, uh, from what I saw. And, um, it, it, it took Real Madrid 24 minutes of game time to complete their first pass uh, in that match, and that that was really the story of of the match in itself. It was not really close. Real Madrid never looked alive. There was never really a chance. Uh, City are clicking on all cylinders. This is uh, honestly the the, the worst. For anyone who doesn't like Sky Blue, the the worst is happening for you because this City team has found a form that it has never seen in its its club's history, and very few Premier League teams have ever looked this good or put up these numbers that that City have this year. So, uh, I I've enjoyed that. Um, kick it over to Rob real quick just uh, to to get his thoughts on uh, on the Champions League, and you know just. Kind of an intro for the episode before we dive in.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's a super exciting time to be a Man City fan, certainly. But uh, no, that that Champions League match, specifically the second one versus Real, uh, it it was, I mean, it it was absolutely magical to watch. And, um, you know, Real being one of the kind of marquee clubs where generally it's been them and Bayern pretty much um going back and forth on Champions League's titles, you always like to see who the heir apparent is and uh, finally Man City exercised their demons and uh, all led behind uh, Bernardo Silva, who uh, the latter part of the season, you know he's been a little bit on the quieter side, but it just goes to show you that um, you know the way Man City squad is set up um, any one day, one of those all takes is for one of those players and another one to go off. And sometimes it's like a game of mind sweeper. You don't know who it's going to be. And um, I think that day, I think the man of the match definitely should go to Bernardo Silva, his first goal near post, pure instinct, no hesitation, absolutely ripped it past the best goalkeeper in the world in Courtois and a well-deserved victory to the citizens.
0: Yeah. And I, I... I can make a serious case. A- anyone can make a serious case that even though he lost, Courtois could have been man of the match because he's the reason that score wasn't eight nothing. Um, denied, oh, uh, denied absolutely denied a, a bona fide Holland hat trick, um, and it, it was it it was just a culmination. I, I think of of the season. And someone pointed out that City have not lost a match since the 115. Uh, allegations came down um from that date city have not lost a match uh so it evidently lit a fire maybe focused the the team it gave them maybe a common enemy uh that was also right around the time that we loaned out joel Cancelo, which seems to have helped the locker room a lot as well uh, and really kind of helped solidify positionally a lot of these players and help guys settle into their roles um which has been fantastic but I, I didn't expect City to do that to Real Madrid based on how Madrid played in their first, uh, the first leg. I, I expected City to win because they don't lose at the Etihad. Um, but I, I just didn't expect it to look like that when you're going up against the Toni Kroos, uh, you know, Luka Modric, Kamavinga, Chua off the bench. Um, I, I don't know why they played Rodrigo. It, it didn't help them. He didn't do anything in the first leg. I would have put Chua in and, and moved some stuff around. One thing I can tell you is they're not gonna play Kamavinga at left back anymore. That's a complete waste of that guy. Um, he needs to be in the midfield. He was, in my opinion, the most impactful player for Real Madrid in the first leg. Uh, and that I I, I, th- I think uh I, I think Real Madrid just screwed up. Um they, they bent Schrudiger, who was kind of the straw that stirred the drink for the defense in the first leg as well uh, i I didn't understand a lot of what they did but I, I just get the feeling no matter what they did city were gonna dominate that game and and they did and we, we move on to we move on to enter coming up uh June 10th I hope I get to watch that that's the day my brother graduates from high school so uh I'm hoping that's maybe a little bit later in the day or really early in the morning for us but um i <sighs> Maybe I'm just getting a little bit heavy handed a little bit too overconfident. I just don't feel like that's going to be a match. I, I, I don't feel like that's going to be close. Um, you know, Inter have had a unbelievably easy road compared to what city have had to go through um, that they, they, they lost to Bayern in the group stage. They drew with Barca in the group stage. Uh, they, they drew with Porto and, um, they won one nothing on the first le- the first round against Porto uh, on a the two game aggregate. Uh, they they won five three against Benfica. They won three nothing against Milan. They they looked really good against Milan, but no, none of those teams are as good as what City had to play against on their side. So um, if you're City, you just have to avoid overlooking and being overconfident for that match. Just go out there, play your game. And I, I, I think it's about as easy of a UCL matchup as a city has had this entire competition. We've talked on previous
1: shows about how the premier league is, you know, stands out above the, the other European leagues. And to me, this performance in the UCL by Man City just kind of reinforces that you're going up against the cream of the crop from Spain, the cream of the crop from Italy. Obviously that hasn't, that match hasn't happened yet, but you know, you look at how uh, Real Madrid kind of just took apart Liverpool in, in the earl, in earlier rounds in the uh, in the Champions League, and then, well, you know, now the champion of the Champions League and Real Madrid was no match for them. So, I, I think that at least gives a little bit of credence to the conversation we had maybe four or five episodes ago about you know wh- what what do we think the wh- how big do we think the gap is between the Premier League and some of these other European leagues?
2: Yeah, certainly that's a good point, Luke, and I mean. Just, just as a fan over the years, you know, generally the biggest criticism for the big English clubs in the Champions League is they've had star-slotted uh, rosters going in there, uh, but sometimes they didn't quite play as a team or to their full potential where, um, you know, there were English clubs that were heavily favored to win the Champions League several years ago, you know, Man City being one of them. Um, as well as, uh, you know, Man U back in the day. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, people would live up to those expectations. But uh, I think really the theme that I've seen as a neutral observer uh, from watching cities, I think just players are coming into form at the right time. And, uh, you know, I was going to hint at this. I know last game against Real Madrid, I said Bernardo Silva definitely deserved man of the match there. But I think just a consistent man of the match who's really i think been the kind of secret ingredient and in the glue that's kept them together is jack Grealish. uh i think he's really playing up to that hundred million dollar price tag right now and um just just all facets of his game are running on all cylinders and uh, you saw it in the post-match interview actually where he said compared to last year he feels like he's fully switched on in all those areas and um, I think that's really starting to show because you someone that has those sticky boots that can really push the ball up the field and more importantly, draw defenders in for either a, the foul or B opening it up for an overlap to your winger uh, or your striker coming down the middle. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, hats off to Jack Grealish hats off to everyone else on city, but uh, I think Jack Grealish should uh, deserves a lot of praise for um you know, really pushing them in the last two or three victories.
0: Agreed. And he's, he is now the record holder for most dribbles in the UCL in a single UCL tournament for an English player. Um, and he still has an entire match to go. Uh, so he's, he he's going to set the bar very high. Uh, I, I think a lot of the transition uh, transformation from last year to this year, Jack, Jack is just um, familiarity with what Pep wants, with what, you know, with how the system works with what you're supposed to do with, you know, the, the, the most efficient play, the, the, the optimized play, but also he's a guy who I think needs a number nine and last year city did not play with a number nine. They, they played false nine, um, the entire season. So, uh, bringing in Holland, of course, it's going to help your guys. It's going to help anybody to have Erling Holland in, in the midfield, but, or, uh, in the middle of the pitch uh, to get the ball in there for, but he just draws his defender a little bit further away. He gives Jack a little bit more room to work. um, And and Jack has made really good decisions. He hasn't forced anything. Uh, It's, it's a lot going from Aston Villa where you're a big fish in a little pond to city where you're still a decent fish, but you're in a lake there. There's all kinds of big fish in there with you. Um, And he's adapted very well this year. So I think that's a great call out um, as well as, uh, as well as our, 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 back four Kyle Walker has had a tumultuous year and in the last month has been unquestionably the guy we had to, we have to play at right back. You, you can't not play him back there. Um, ha- having Riyad Marez down the side is, is nice, but I can't speak highly enough about the way our left back Rotation has been. It's been Nathan Ake for most of the season, but Nathan Ake has missed the last couple of games. Manuel Akanji, man, that there was no fight for him. We signed him for 15 million pounds. Anybody could have had this guy, and he put Rodrigo in his back pocket for two legs. Uh, He he has played extremely well without a whole lot of minutes. He's played some right back as well. Just a very fluid player. So it's just incredible to see what city you're doing with some of these value type players that anybody in the world could have signed but for one reason or another didn't think they would fit maybe didn't think they could develop them uh maybe just didn't think he was good enough i mean he was the fourth defender at Dortmund last year and he's he was the starter for the, both legs against uh real madrid and Rodrigo didn't do anything. Absolutely nothing went past him. Uh, so it's it's been an incredible season. The the, the numbers keep writing themselves. Pep the quickest to 100 Premier League wins. Uh, Phil Foden the quickest to 100 Premier League wins as a player. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne the quickest to 100 Premier League assists. Just a, a lot of a lot of big numbers getting knocked off for City, but it feels like none of that matters if they don't win the Champions League. It it will be a disappointment of a year if they don't win the Champions League. It's nice to win the Premier League, especially when we thought it was really out of reach a couple of months ago. It's nice to win it. It doesn't feel like we won it, though. City had to go on this tear, but really what they had to have happen was Arsenal just falling short. Um, So, you know, as we move on past... Champions League talk you know we're coming up against Inter we'll get we'll get into that game as we get a little bit closer we still have about three weeks before that so next episode we'll probably talk a little bit more um about that uh City still have the FA Cup to play against they they have the biggest Manchester Derby that I can remember coming up in the FA Cup because it's for the treble uh Man you have something to play for because it's it's possible they could win a double as well, if they take that FA cup and equal what city have done this year, if city are to win the UCL. Um, so man, you are certainly playing for something that's a, that's a match you can never underestimate. You can never take for granted, even though we've owned man, U the better part of the last five years. Um, that, that that's, that's hatred that, that is pure hatred across the pitch, across the city, um, across the world. If you ever find a red devil out, uh, out in, in public here in America, um so i i'm interested to see what city does these next couple of weeks what the rotation is going to be because they have a very small squad that they rotate um and then i'm i'm really curious to see how a lot of these contract talks uh happen between some of these guys we need to keep but get getting into the premier league talk um rob i'm just going to kick it over to you your your game happened first against nottingham forest and Uh, It it was a game that they had to win in order to keep their hopes alive going into the Chelsea Manchester City game on Sunday. Um, And just they couldn't find the back of the net, at least not legally.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, that is the sad truth of it. I will say just before I go deep on the Arsenal matches here, um, you know, just just on a parting point about Man City with uh, the Champions League. Uh, You know, I I really think that, you know, this is their year just because it is a team full of superstars, but they're playing as a team. And you could really notice that throughout the Champions League, um, as well as the Premier League. Um, Everyone was always cool. Everyone was happy. Uh, You know, the only person arguably that had negative body language showing got loaned out to Bayern and got sent on a plane out of there. But everyone else. Um, you know, there's great camaraderie, great chemistry. And, you know, with a team full of superstars like that, um, that's that's exactly what you want. So credit to Pep and uh, the staff at Man City there for the culture that they fostered. Um, and just that winning mindset, you know, that's what champions are made of. So um, that, that being said, uh, moving on from the Champions League, uh, you know, s- seeing in the premiership that Arsenal, you know, we're not going to win it. Um, For for those American fans that are listening, you know, when you're watching the NCAA tournament, right, you know, your team might get knocked out. But then you're like, hey, I'm going to root for ACC teams within reason, not all of them. But, you know, NC State's out, I'll say go ACC for the most part. Um, So I'm the same way with um, when it comes to Champions League. Um, If an English league or English team that I don't hold any hatred in my heart for, uh, is up for treble. Um, you know, I'm always going to support that. So best of luck to the citizens for the treble and, uh, smack, smack dab back into reality with Arsenal here. Yeah. Not even forced. We absolutely, I'll say it, we bottled it. Um, I mean the, the possession stats alone are infuriating as a fan where, I mean, how can you possibly, right. How can you possibly have over, 70, over 80% possession? Nottingham Force had 18% possession. We had twice as many shots, twice as many corners as them. And it's not like we were playing a B team. We played essentially our starters, and we still couldn't find the back of the net, which was very, very frustrating. And, you know, uh, I hope we just go out and smash wolves. You know, after the Man City loss, that was tough. But you know that's why I was thinking. You know we got that those great victories against Chelsea three one, as well as Newcastle. And, you know those were two very dominant victories. And then to just drop the last two uh, against Nottingham Forest, um, that was a bad beat. Uh, Brighton, fair and square, they mopped the floor with us at home, which is you know that's that's embarrassing. Um, You know, would have liked to have that one back. But, I mean, at this point, you know, the premiership is not ours. We exceeded our expectations. We talked about that last time. You know, I just want us to go out here and, you know, blow the doors off against Wolves, the last home match of the season, and end on that high, uh, locked in in second place uh, with the Champions League uh, on our minds for next year and the EPL Trophy as well.
0: Uh, I have a... Just a a question of where you are thinking for next year, which of the two halves of the season seem to be more realistic version of Arsenal that we get next year. The first half that had the eight point lead on city uh, and I'm not necessarily going to say like the team that lost to Nottingham Forest. I understand all that. But the, the team that kind of started the slide, i, I say minus Saliba right around there. Is, is that more the team that you're expecting next season? Or are you expecting going forward that team that just absolutely lit the Premier League on fire? What, what, where does the truth lie with this Arsenal season going into next year?
2: Uh, not not to have a cop out answer here, but it, it really depends. And I think the main thing it depends on is squad depth, where where we started to slide was later on in the season, once we had notable injuries and notable positions, and you know, we didn't quite have the depth on the bench, which you know, our bench players weren't bad by any means. Um, but you know, on certain days, certain players had bad matches where you know, if we had a deeper squad, we could pull from, you know, reduce injuries. Um, you know, I, I think it's really going to depend on that. And, you know, we uh, I think we're going to be aggressive in the uh, the summer window here during the off offseason. Um, you know, if we're going to get anyone on loan or direct transfer, um, I think you're going to see some moves being made. And if those moves are made to strengthen. Uh, first of all, to pay the guys we already have, but then uh, strengthen our bench, I think we'll see more of that uh, first half of the season arsenal where we were calm, collected, aggressive, hungry, tenacious. Um, But, you know, if we don't sign the right guys and we don't fill out that squad depth, it could be closer to that second half slip of the season. You know, you saw where Saliba and Tomiyasu, two defenders, went down and... Ever since then, I'll be honest, our defense was kind of in shambles. You know, it'd be a game of hot potato. One game, Ben White would have a bad game. Um, The other one, Tierney, would have a bad game. Um, Gabrielle would even have bad games as well. So, um, yeah, I think it just comes down to how aggressive we are in the offseason. And um, I I think we stand a good chance to be back in the running again if we do that. Quick shout out to the
1: Nottingham Forest fans, though, because I don't know if you saw the the, the video that Alex retweeted yesterday, but it, it, this seems like something that wouldn't happen in America. Like if an NFL team that sucked, like beat a good team and like kept them from winning a title of some sort, a regular season title of some sort, that team's fans would still get kind of shit on for bragging about it but the nottingham forest fans just mercilessly chanting at arsenal yesterday after the the result you know became final and it's just it's it's funny that a team that's not even really going anywhere can still rub some salt in the wound like that like, like the nottingham forest fans did yesterday that that's another thing of of uh it's kind of the opposite of what you talked about in champions league rob it's like even if you're not a rival of ours we're still gonna rub it in your face
2: when you do something stupid in our presence Yeah. I mean, fair play to them. I mean, uh, Arsenal, absolutely. That that match particular, you know, Nottingham Forest, uh, you know, an away match there, that is a very tough stadium to play in. Um, they do have great fan presence. And, you know, if you want to be a great club, you got to be able to play in those environments. And, you know, we, we didn't, I think it again, came back down to fatigue and, you um, you know, it's one of those things as well where it, it's only human nature. Where you know, if you've ever been on a team, something where you know the the end of the seasons in the site, you kind of know where you stand. And some people view it as like, "Hey, I'm gonna play my heart out. I've got something to play for still." And some players just emotionally switch off. And you know, it, it happens. And I think some of that started to happen with certain Arsenal players, and that frustration showed. Um, so, you know, I I hope Arteta gets back to the the drawing board. I think he's a great coaching mind. Um, and, you know, I think he's going to be at Arsenal for many years to come. And I I think he's going to build that culture and, uh, these boys are going to bounce back. And, uh, I think we should be in the race with city again next year.
0: Yeah, I, I agree about the mentally shutting off, um, I don't know if, if these two players are who you had in mind, but just me as kind of, kind of an impartial viewer, I, I was definitely partial to what result I wanted to deepen my heart, but at the same time, I like to see good football. Uh, Saka and, and Martinelli just absolutely ghosted the last two matches of the season. Um, you know, I, I think everyone who's watched knows the injuries that have happened to Arsenal's defense but it doesn't explain why they didn't score a goal in the last two matches uh, that have happened. That's something that they need to do against Wolves, I think, just to carry some semblance of momentum. And you know, okay, guys, you know the the, the fire isn't that bad. We get to go back into next season. We're in the Champions League. We, you know, set, settled at second in the cha- in, in Premier League, and uh, only Arteta's second season. Uh, definitely overachieved. And I don't say that as, uh, you know, a slight, I say that as a compliment that they, they did better than they should have on paper. Um, And that's a compliment to everyone there, but it certainly uh, has not been a a pretty backslide for them on the second half. Um, And I I think they got to get a goal, a couple of goals, win that game against wolves um, just, just to take something into the off season. That's, you know, healthy. Um, so that that's just my fifty thousand foot view as uh, impartial fan. Um, but I, I guess I guess onto the main course. Uh, City won the cat won the Premier League from their couch on Saturday. Uh, it's definitely not something that I saw having. Uh, we still have two more Premier League games to go, um, and don't have to play anybody. We, we we played our B team against Chelsea and still beat them. Um, that the Chelsea uh, problem is an issue that we should definitely focus on in the off season uh, as a, as a podcast here, I I would love to dive deep into how you fuck up a $650 million transfer window and wind up 12th on the table. Um, But that's a joke for later. Uh, I, I feel like there's almost nothing that you can say about city that hasn't been said before, other than just highlighting the, the, the highs of, what they've done five premier leagues in six years um a a lot of folks want to overshadow this with the allegations that are against city from a financial standpoint and to a degree i'll definitely acknowledge that and and hear you out because I, i think it's fair to talk about um that being said acting like any of the other i would say big five uh Clubs in, you know, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, Manu, Liverpool, acting like they're doing everything on the up and up is a little bit uh daft, as they say. It's it's shallow and it's it's not being realistic. Have City done something that's illegal? Probably. Um uh, pr- probably. That's all I can tell you is probably, but um, it's nothing that these other clubs couldn't have done. If they bring in more revenue than City, they could have done it on, you know above board if they really wanted to but they didn't have the scouting they didn't have the plan or the development that city have had over the last five or six years to build this into what what we see this year um so i i i think folks need to definitely keep that in mind but we're not even going to know about that for several years the the people that are going to be punished for that are not going to be here at city. Most likely city probably still get punished, but the ones that have done it, the, you know, the players that are here that we brought in because of it, they're not, they're probably not going to be here. Uh, so I, I think we need to throw that out the window and just, just talk about city. What, what happens happens. There's nothing you can do in the short term. I mean, believe me, I'm a Tennessee fan that had to watch Alabama run the sec while I know that they're doing stuff illegally, but at the same time, I'm like, I, what why aren't we doing that what what why are we having a clean shit program when they're having a dirty dynasty i would much rather have a dirty dirty dynasty than a clean shit program um if you can have a clean dynasty obviously that's that's ideal but if you ain't cheating you ain't trying is is a a moniker here it's one that i live by uh it didn't hurt the patriots it hasn't hurt alabama uh, I'm sure George is doing some underhand shit. That's how you get ahead. Uh, when when the table is "quote unquote" fair, uh, the teams that are winning are the teams that are cheating the best. Um, and to me, that's what City have done. All the players that they have, everybody in the Premier League could have had. Um, it's not our fault that we got Erling Holland for 60 million, and Chelsea wants to buy Raheem Sterling for 56. Arsenal wants to buy Gabriel Jesus for 52. It's not our fault that we get a Kanchi for 17 and Arsenal wants to buy Zinchenko for 35, be, be better, do a better job, hire people that know more, do something. Don't just complain that somebody's ahead of you. When there were moves that that club made that you could have easily have made if you were wise enough to to do so. And that that's where I stand on the, the the allegations for city, you acknowledge it. And I'm going to say, city you're definitely going to have repercussions from it there's no way there are zero uh there was zero cheating going on in the 115 allegations i acknowledge that
1: manchester
0: united have, Manchester United have been cheating for decades and nobody gives a fuck chelsea disingenuous. liverpool yeah exactly my favorite my favorite one of my favorite
1: words in the english that was the word you were looking for a couple minutes ago and i, I was like disingenuous and to me, it's like Tour de France where everybody cheats, like everyone in that race fucking cheats. Like when Lance Armstrong got was became a pariah because of what he had done, like who gives a shit? Everyone else was doing that too. steroid era in baseball. Barry Bonds becomes a pariah because of what he's doing when it's a, that shit's available to everybody, you know? Like, so so I, I kind of agree. It, it, and we, we see this all the time over here in America with what you alluded to, NCAA violations here in North Carolina, the University of North Carolina had fake classes for athletes for the better part of two decades and never got in trouble for it so it's it's a very very much a uh, a universal type thing across sports rules get bent uh loopholes get found and and unlike you said the, the justice will come when it comes you know that's that's not really anything fans need to be worrying about because well there's they have no control over it basically is is, is the point and 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 I, I don't think they'll get off scot-free either um
0: but but i wouldn't be shocked if like you said, every, every other team is kind of doing that too. I mean, it, p- people will ignore though, and th- this is the last point I'll say on it. City had, a, City had a transfer profit. that They brought in Erling Holland, Calvin Phillips, Manuel Akanji, Sergio Gomez, Maximo Peron, Stefano Ortega, Julian Alvarez, Rico Lewis, and they had a profit because they developed players they bought three or four years ago and sold them. Or higher and that's something that no other clubs are doing. Every other club in the top six had a significant transfer cost transfer that that they spent more than they sold. City has is up eleven million pounds this transfer window, and that they they brought in everyone they brought in except for Calvin Phillips has played effective minutes. Um, Raheem Sterling I can't say that about Gabriel Jesus. Sure, I guess a little bit zinchenko he's working his way in there but I, I, we're, we're also going to sell Joao Cancelo for probably close to 70 million pounds that and that's not factored in yet um so it, you can have your umbrage with with city i get that they made a profit in the transfer window and they signed erling holland like what what more do you want them to do
2: well, Alex, all, all I have to say is I've heard from an undisclosed source. Now that this podcast is available to the internet, the powers that be have heard everything you said and you will receive your hush money in a blue Etihad bag on your doorstep in the next two to three business days. But- They, uh, they yeah, have all, they have
0: Venmo, don't worry, it's already hit.
2: <laughs> all, all jokes aside though, I mean, yeah. Like, listen, let's be real here. Uh, you know, the former Chelsea owner, was a guy that made his fortune on the black market and lived on a boat in international waters surrounded by armed guards and uh, nothing illegal went on there. Okay. Okay. Guy, you know, so, you know, th- things are always happening. Right. And, you know, uh, I don't want this to necessarily take over our conversation because we'll have a lot more to talk about it, you know, as it develops over later in the year, but you know, it, it, it is a slippery slope. You know, the people from other big clubs that are saying, they're like, oh, crucify Man City. Like, you got to separate the players from the organization, which I think that's probably credit to Pep and credit to the organization that they've done that. Because, you know, you made the point, Alex, that ever since those allegations came out, Man City pretty much just locked in as far as the players and Pep. And, you know, they, they controlled what was in their control. Right. And I think that's where some teams in the media driven sports world we're in now. um, I think that's where some of them lose their way. But uh, I think that's really credit to who you have at the helm with not just the veteran players on the squad, but uh, also Pep and his uh, coaching staff. So, um, yeah, I mean, what's going to happen is going to happen. We can talk about it you know, as it envelops. But, I mean, I, I think Man City did very well with damage control and just focusing in on what the goal is at hand. And uh, I think the ultimate word for that will be uh, getting the trouble.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I said, that there's nobody there's no that City has purchased that was unavailable to other teams. The difference maker in most of those cases is those players – that, can, that have come to city know that they're going to get developed. Um, whereas it, it, you're just kind of hired mercenaries at, a, at these other clubs. There's not been development happening at Man U or I mean, Liverpool, I could say ha, has developed some players, uh, you know, in some regard, but you haven't really seen development at Arsenal. You ha- definitely haven't seen any fucking development at Chelsea um, where Enzo Fernandez goes for twice what we got Erling Holland for that they, they bought Fofana for more than we bought Erling Holland for. They bought Murdrique for more than we bought Erling Holland for. They bought Mark Cucurella for more than we bought Erling Holland for. And at at some point you just have to say, stop being stupid. It doesn't matter how, how City got their money. What matters is the amount that they've spent, and they've spent less than a lot of a lot of the big teams since Pep has been here. And that's just a cold, hard fact that no one wants to deal with. We just want to say, ah, city, dirty oil money. If you don't like dirty oil money, you need to stop following the Premier League now because Newcastle's right behind us. And probably West Ham, if Manchester United doesn't accept this offer uh, from, from the other oil guys out there, that they're going go to go buy a Premier League team. So I, I understand the, the purists, don't worry. It's happening to my favorite sport in the world, college football. But you have to adapt and accept what's happening. It is now 100% about money. That's all this league is about. The difference is City is, is doing something with that money. They're, they're turning it into something. And five out of six Premier League titles, Just it, it, that's all you need to see. They're the ones who are using the money effectively, not just throwing money at a problem and hoping it goes away. I
1: would never know anything like that from the Washington NFL franchise. Dan Snyder never just threw money at things, hoping they would go away. You know, signing Albert (laughs) Hainsworth for a hundred million dollars. And oh, golly. Uh.
0: At least least he's trying. I mean, at least he was trying a little bit. Not like when they went value town for Carson Wentz. I mean, come on, guys. Who? Come on. Come on, guys.
1: (laughs) Switching gears a little bit here from a team that wears burgundy uh, in the NFL to a team that wears red in in the EPL. Uh, They've been really hot for for a month, month and a half, my my Liverpool Reds, but came to a screeching halt uh, on Saturday at Anfield. A 1-1 draw with Aston Villa in which Aston Villa led for 89 minutes. Roberto Firmino in his final game at Anfield bagging a goal late to technically keep the Reds alive in the chase for the top four. The unfortunate news. Actually, is twofold today for for Liverpool because Newcastle, with a zero zero draw, uh, backs their way into the top four. They clin- that get their seventieth point and clinch uh, clinch the uh, at least uh, one of the four the four spots there, along with Manchester City and Arsenal. And Man United has a game in hand and plays guess who Chelsea coming up next. So that you can pencil that one into the win column. And man, U only needs a, a draw to advance. So really Liverpool still alive mathematically, but in practice, not really alive. And it was a really tough effort on Saturday because Rob, similar to Arsenal controlling possession against Nottingham Forest, Liverpool had possession for 66% of this game, not quite as great a discrepancy, but still enough to where they should have scored more than one goal. And out, out shooting, uh, out shooting Aston Villa on goal four to two, good goalkeeping from uh Argentina's Emiliano Martinez for Villa. Uh, you remember him from the World Cup, um, but it just just a really disappointing effort. Cody Gakpo had a goal that was taken away uh, by VAR. He was offside call, unfortunately, um, but not not a great way to send off the four guys who are uh, are leaving at the end of their contracts. Uh, Firmino, one of them, Nabi, Keita, James Milner, and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, uh, the other four. And the fun fact about uh, about Liverpool here, and we're talking about streaks this will be their first time if they don't make it missing the champions league since 2017. So that, that is a little bit significant. We've had, that will be the first time in seven years, uh, that there won't be this shade of red in the, the premier or in the champions league. And it's just, it's just really hard for me to see Chelsea giving Man U a game when Man U has that incentive in front of
2: them. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, everything was in Liverpool's hands. Um, it, it, they The best thing they could have done was win out the season, which uh, they had a very good shot at doing that. And, you know, to their credit, you know, it was a draw. Yes, very disappointing. But, you know, they haven't lost in their last five, four wins, the last one being a draw. Um, but, you know, some other things had to go Liverpool's way um, for them to make the European uh, or UCL championship squad Um, It's still possible. Uh, I'll go over kind of, you know, a playoff picture and what those standings for not only uh, Europe as well as relegation a little bit later in the show. But I mean, yeah, I I think to be honest, Luke, it's end of the season, wear and tear, people wearing down. But I mean, still a disappointing draw nevertheless. But, uh, you know, you would have liked to see the Reds, you know, at least put themselves a couple points ahead.
1: And it teaches the lesson you, you can't dig yourself too big a hole, which is what Liverpool did earlier in the season. You know, pre-World Cup, they really weren't playing very good soccer. And even even in the the month or so after the World Cup, it, it was it was a struggle. And you can go back and listen to our shows and listen to me complain about it if you want. But the other thing is you can't have other teams do your dirty work for you. You can't just, you can't put that to chance. And you know, they, they need a Newcastle to lose today. Newcastle didn't lose. That's, you know, that's, that's just nothing you can do about that. And the only thing you can do is look back and say, well, shit, we should have won that game back in February. We should have won that game back in November. And it, you don't think it's going to come back to bite you until it finally does at the end of the season.
0: Yeah. And uh, the, the two glaring things, I guess kind of on the second half of the season for Liverpool that I see are both draws to Chelsea. And looking back at that, that's just, that is not a good feeling. That's four points dropped to the 12th team on the table right now. Um, You know, if you, if you win even one of those, you you have a really good shot at stealing the fourth spot from Manchester United. But um, you know when when you draw them, you draw Crystal Palace uh, it's just, i mean and of, of course drawing Aston Villa it, it it doesn't it doesn't feel great to to do that especially looking back at the end of the season just adding up the points that you know in your heart you should have had um, so you know it, it came down to the last day for Liverpool last year um, you know for premier league it's going to come down to the last day for them this year in terms of the cha- the champions league placement best news that they have is uh Manchester United do have a couple of I'm not gonna say difficult but sneaky opponents Rob you'll touch on that a little bit later but that it's not like they they line up against you know the the relegation teams that they, these are teams that are still have quality players you could see them knocking off United potentially um but I, Europa League isn't a, isn't a bad season um, I would say with a, as decent as the Premier League has been this year, uh, you know, Liverpool has a couple of things to fix next year and they'll be right back in the Champions League contention. I have no I, I have no doubt in my mind about that.
1: And I think uh, having Cody Gakpo for a full offseason, uh, he, he was a great addition to the team. Uh, of course, Mo Salah is my favorite player in English soccer. I, I still really want his jersey. He He, he unfortunately wasn't really a factor on uh, on, on Saturday. And uh, I, it, it's, it's kind of, as he goes, Liverpool goes and it, it's every game where he scores early, where he's in sync, Liverpool usually wins and credit to Aston Villa's defense. I mean, they, they came in with a game plan here and, and they stuck to it. And, and that, that's the only thing you can do is tip your cap to him And unfortunately I wish I wasn't tipping my cap at the end of the season as is, is all.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen guys, to be fair, you know, Liverpool was playing Aston Villa, which, you know, looking at their, Previous uh, four or five matches here. I mean, that's really the match where it comes down to crunch time because I I believe Liverpool looks like they're playing Southampton and Leicester City next. Who you know, they're both in fighting out of the relegation spots right now. Well, Southampton's already relegated, um, but you know, at at this point, Aston Villa, you know, they're essentially fighting with Liverpool for that European. Ah, uh, Europa League spot. So, you know that they knew going into it that that was the last big hurdle for them. And, um, you know, so sometimes it's one bridge too far. But, uh Liverpool still, um, the fact, uh, like Alex said, they're still in European competition, which that's nothing to be, um, looked down upon at all. Um, you know, the fact that you are in international competition bodes well for the club. And, uh, you know, the the fact that you guys honestly even finish top six based on how your season was starting the spiral out of control, right out of the world cup break, like you uh, identified earlier, Luke, that that in itself is a moral victory for you guys. So, I mean, I think you cut your losses, you know, take what you can get and, you know, you just rebuild from there.
1: Yeah. I'm just, I'm so excited to watch both of y'all's teams in, in the, in the, in the, in the champions league next year and and not mine. That's just such a great consolation prize. <laughs>
0: <laughs> at, at, at least Real Madrid won't knock you out next year. Yes, that is correct. That is <laughs> correct. Silver, silver linings, you get to go beat up on uh, Jose Mourinho out there, who apparently it's some, some big career milestone that he won the Europa League this year. Um, I, I could do a whole show on on Jose Mourinho and why it's bullshit that everyone's giving him credit uh, for, for winning there but um, it's it's still a cool competition there's still a lot of really interesting teams and you know uh, honestly if City wins the UCL it's it, it would almost be cool to, to at least go play against the squads that are typically in the Europa League because it's a whole it's a whole different group of of teams and you, you have to adapt and play a little bit different style of football in order to to play against those teams so it's it's a new challenge and sometimes it makes you better um who who were the premier league teams that were in the europa league competition this year i don't remember off the top of my head
2: uh arsenal um i think tottenham was in there um i'm
0: looking it up i i I think it was arsenal tottenham if i'm not mistaken tottenham wasn't
2: wasn't tottenham in champions league
1: this year because they
0: finished top four last year yeah i think man U was in europa league Oh, that's right. It
2: was menu. It was menu and Arsenal. Over yeah. In Europa, and then West Ham was in the Europa Conference League. Which, yeah, uh, that's the thing below. Which, to be honest, I don't. I didn't even know that was the thing. I don't pay attention to it at that, all. That's
0: that's what Aston Villa will be in this year, I believe. I think they've locked yeah. that up. That they are well, that one.
2: Yeah, I will, I'll I'll go over all those scenarios here in a second. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's still a good mix of teams, like you said, and. Um, either way, I mean, all our clubs being in European competition like that, that bodes well for the future of the clubs um, and, you know, attracting new talent.
1: It's kind of like when you, you go to a bowl game in college football, you're not going to the CFP, but you go to like, you know, the Holiday Bowl or the, the Alamo Bowl, the Music yeah. City Bowl, you get those extra practices you get that extra televised game that people are going to be watching. You get, you know, you give everyone else a, ch- a chance, you know, if, if you're recruiting somebody in the area where the game is being played, they could show up at the game and take an unofficial visit of sorts. Like it's the same kind of idea for sure. You'd rather be having team activities and playing than not.
2: Yeah. So it, it's funny because all our teams get to do that, right. Uh, they get to play in European competitions. So they don't have to do something like Foodline FC and play against fucking Wrexham FC in Washington DC. Are you shitting me? Are not they coming Are to Chapel Hill too? Me? What
1: uh, isn't, or is maybe that Wrexham's playing someone else? But I know Wrexham is playing a game at Keenan Stadium in Chapel Wrexham Hill. Is
2: playing against Chelsea. <laughs> I know that. It, it is literally the dumbest idea possible. <laughs> that's <laughs> how. That's how terrible Foodline FC is. The fact that he can't be in Europe next year, they have to resort to getting Canadian money from Ryan Reynolds and a guy from it's always sunny in Philadelphia.
0: You're scum, Chelsea. You're absolute scum. Good riddance food line FC. Get the hell out of Europe. Imagine losing to Deadpool on the university of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's, collegiate football ground yeah july 19th (laughs)
1: july 19th at keenan stadium this is happening guys this is yes
0: yes it it
2: is (laughs) oh Um, my god this is so this is so good we we had to go there to just right hush
0: might have to go (laughs) yeah we might (laughs) this might be our first ever people and just
2: (laughs) dude it's on site food line fc you heard it here first the shitty kitties
0: (laughs)
1: My former place of employment, by the way, for which I have nothing but love, nothing but love.
0: Come on, Deadpool. You got this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, with with that, with that, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we should go to what Rob's been teasing and dive into the numbers a a little bit here before we, we make too much fun of Chelsea. I think we'll still probably make some fun of Chelsea before the the show's out, but uh, we we've got, we've got the relegation station too, which, which, which rolls off the tongue. I like that. And, uh, so I guess I guess we can start start at the bottom, as, as Drake would say, and who, who, who's Southampton's already locked into to being relegated. Has anyone else
2: booked their ticket down?
0: Well, boys, ladies and gentlemen,
2: it's relegation station time. And it, it's the end of the line, the end of the line for the scummers of Southampton. They are out of it. Good riddance. Poppy, we'll see you in the championship in the next year or two. You mark my words here, you scummers. Good riddance. But as far as the other teams there, right now uh, we're looking at Leicester City and Leeds um, tied at 31 points apiece with a one game to play for each of them. And right now, uh, Leicester City and Leeds both have to win and Everton have to lose for a chance at either of them staying alive. If both of them win and Everton loses, Leicester City will advance purely on goal differential. But it's not over for the boys in blue at Everton, your rivals, Luke, across the Merseyside Bay. They are in the Premiership if they win. Can Everton pull this out? Can they join and still be in the prestigious club with Arsenal as never being relegated from the Premiership? We'll Renly Darby,
1: out. my ass. Friendly Darby, my ass.
2: <laughs> well, that's the relegation station, folks. Uh, we're going up to the top six here. And uh, right now, it's very interesting with uh, Brighton winning out. Uh, they have two matches to play, one of those being against Man City. Um, if they win out both of their matches and Liverpool loses, um, their current positions would switch. Then uh, for Liverpool, if they win – and Man U loses both of their matches, um, that would actually put them in the Champions League contention. So there still is hope, Luke. And as Alex mentioned, uh, Man United's got a couple tough games, one against Fulham, and the other one is against Chelsea, which, you know, this could be the game. Chelsea goes off, and, you know, that, that could happen. So do not lose faith, my friend. But by menu, if they were to win out both their games and Newcastle win out, uh, they would stay in the same position. So it looks like Newcastle, uh, you know, they have secured uh, Champions League play, which I'm super happy to see the Magpies in black and white uh, listening to the Champions League music. It gets me nostalgia feel from Alan Shearer back in the day. He's my favorite English striker. If you don't know him, go check out his highlights. Um, but uh the top two we were locked in, Man City at one, and the airs apparent, the gunners of arsenal. And that's your 2023 uh EPL season, boys.
1: I just wish yeah. we had a better name for it. I mean, relegation station is one, but it's like Rob's like wonderful wheel of what, what the fuck ever. You
0: know? R- R- Rob's promotion potion. <laughs> it's not it's not really promotion though is it <laughs> Wait, how much higher can you get than that? all UCLA? i can say though is everyone in the premier league needs to thank southampton because they are the reason city are not pushing for the quadruple they knocked us out of the efl cup to nothing back in january uh we smashed them all three times we played them other than that this year but they two nilled us uh back in january to knock us out of that cup so southampton Ironically, are the reasons that you're not pressing for a quadruple. Um, and on the talk of promotion, Rob, uh, I did not forget this because I want to get your take on it, partially because you're a Portsmouth guy, but I, I also want to get your take on it just kind of in the ins and outs of what goes into it. But Plymouth Argyle winning their division. Getting promoted to the championship, going to the English Second League—if you play FIFA, that's how you know it—the English Second League. Um, but going up to the championship, um, what 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 is that? What is that like? Uh, obviously, it's it's a humongous step up in in rosters that they're going to be playing against, and that they were already not one of the most expensive clubs in in their division. Ipswich, I believe, is the most expensive. Portsmouth is right up there with them. Um, but just ha- how does that go? What is the mentality? Uh, when is the last time that Portsmouth has been in the championship? Just ca- kind of give me a smattering of your, of your knowledge of the subject.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, getting promoted from one league uh, to the next, it- it's always a great sense of pride in your club. You know, that you're the best. Ideally you want to win the league. Cause obviously you can get promoted by being in second place. Um, especially the first, uh, first, second and third, uh, I believe they get promoted and then, uh, four through seven, I believe play in a playoff to get the fourth spot promoted. I could be wrong or actually, no, the first two get promoted and then, uh, three through six battle it out, um, for the third spot to be promoted. And, uh, it's a great feeling. Whenever that happens, Um, you know, I've seen it time and time again with uh, Portsmouth. Uh, We've gone down the leagues and then back up. And that's just kind of how Portsmouth's history has been, where, like, we've been down in the third division before. And I witnessed it, like, pretty much through my fanhood journey of us going from the third division up to this, the what is now the championship, then to the premiership, winning the FA Cup in 2008. And then that's when we started going back down again once we had our own, you know, financial investigation stuff, which we talked about already. So um, that's the life of a Portsmouth fan. And so, you know, Plymouth Argyle, we've got a nice little rivalry with them um, from when we were back down in division two with them, we would uh, trade back and forth a lot. Uh, So this is revenge for a few seasons ago where we, defeated them on the last match day and ended up winning the league and securing promotion um i guess is their revenge where they win this league and leave us here but we will see the argyle once more mark my words
0: yeah it's, it's just really cool and you know as you alluded to with you know financial sanctions who knows maybe city in the next five years will be playing against portsmouth and we will have a whole different rivalry to be discussing here rob um you, you know you never know you never know i i sincerely hope the way we meet is because portsmouth makes it to the premier league but you know it's it's why they have four leagues because uh you know shit happens shit happens in england
1: i've heard uh i've heard that Portsmouth has a young up-and-coming player named Hurling Holland, who's bald. So uh, it, could be, it could be an interesting interesting matchup there if those two teams do meet in five years. And those two, te- those two players, uh, and the, the, the one player who's real, and then that one player who I may or may not have just made up off the top of my
0: head. Hurling uh, Her- Holland, keep an eye on him. Did he come to them from Germany, hopes to win the Champions League? ha 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 Holland. <laughs> no, but like I the only
1: thing I know about him is he's bald, so he doesn't have different ways he wears his hair every every match.
0: See, you can't have any source of power being bald, I don't think, unless you're <laughs> Pep <past> Guardiola. <laughs> I'm I am
2: trying
0: to think of a care.
1: counterpoint to that, but I don't have one. <laughs> I, I
2: don't I don't care who gets us there. We will uh play up Pompey Blue Army. Next season we will get promoted to the championship, mark my words.
0: If you, you, you have it first If you haven't seen the video of Erling Holland going into a nightclub and cooking his own dinner in his own set and pajamas with his own embroidered name on the chest, you need to go check that out on the internet because it is the most Erling Holland thing on the internet. Uh, Next to him going on to Sky Sports with Jack Relish, just saying, I fucking love you, man, into the the microphone for everyone (laughs) to hear. Uh, a, A lot of fun stuff. And just to wrap this all up, Excellent season for Manchester City. You listen back two or three months and hear where some of my pessimism was, and it's it's just really incredible how how City have, uh, you know, got got themselves back together, back to where they should have been, and uh, still got a lot of work ahead of us. So stay tuned for a couple more Right Hosh episodes uh, this season. I'm sure we'll do some stuff in the summer as well, but what we play man U on july on june 3rd for the fa cup final and then we play inter on june 10th for the ucl final so city still hunting the 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 highly desired treble which i believe has only been done a couple of times in premier league history Uh, all kinds of history being set but as i said at the top it doesn't quite feel the same if we don't walk away with the champions league this year and of course, we'll see you on July
1: 19th for, uh, for Deadpool soccer at Keenan Stadium.
2: Perfect. The day right <laughs> after my birthday. I'd love to see that stadium burn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember the 19th of July. <laughs> the question I have is, will Christian Pulisic still be on the team at that point?
2: Oh, my God. Uh, who? The, the cringe. The cringe. I can feel it from here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, no, it's a legit quest. He's the only American I can think of that would be coming. Of back course, they're gonna have him there. It's a, mo- a money making scheme, man. That's all it is. I don't know, man. He's played like 12 minutes this year <laughs> and, <laughs> and he costs a lot of money. So, uh, I, I hope they ship him out for his. I'm own sure Rexham will buy him, <laughs> man. That's all I'm pulling for that club, Not not just on July 19th, but just in general. That's a that's a cool. That's a cool story we should get into uh, later on after after the full season is done.
2: For sure. And uh, with with it, it goes without saying, once again, congratulations to Man City on a well-fought matchup for the EPL and, uh, you know, up the citizens for the treble. I hope they get it. I think they can and I think they will. And uh, we will find out uh, next time here um, on our next episode. I'm looking forward to
0: it
1: no fuck
2: y'all's teams i hope their bus breaks down and they have to forfeit the game because they can't get to the stadium
0: <laughs> and luke cue wonderwall in three two one
1: <laughs> well there you have it this episode of the right hosh from the nasir alexander kucheki studios great banter great lots of great soccer uh making it possible for us to banter so uh, we enjoyed bringing it to you and we will have several more shows coming down as as the uh the summer the summer kicks on and thanks a lot for joining me tonight guys i appreciate you taking your time and thank you to the listeners and uh before we sign off just wanted to say what i say at the end of every show if there's something you'd like us to talk about uh, you have a club that, that you'd like to hear about or a player uh, just and we are a show of the people just like the original oh, right on. hash so uh, shoot us a message on twitter at the right hash um, or comment on our episode when we post it. So, Is there anything you want us to talk about next time we will absolutely do that and we will sign off now and come to you next time from the Nasser alexander kucheki studios
2: there are many things that i would like to say to you but i don't know how i <laughs> maybe <laughs>
0: to be the one that saves me, and after all, you're my wonder
2: wall.
0: What's my wonder? What's going on?
2: I said maybe
0: you got gonna... me.